Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 461 of the Juice Box Podcast. On today's show, we're going to be speaking with Jason, who has type 1 diabetes, and there's actually a lot of type 1 in his family, but I'm going to let Jason tell you about that in just a moment. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you enjoy talking about type 1 management and getting community and resources from other people just like you, please check out the private Facebook group for the podcast. It's called Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. You'll answer just a couple of brief questions to make sure you're a real person, and then you'll be in with 10,000 other people living with type 1 diabetes as they help each other and chat. It's really a, a lovely and supportive place. I hope you check it out. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Touched. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, Dexcom, and Touched by Type 1. Find out more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. See if you're eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash at myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Wait a minute. They've changed the URL. I have been saying to you, myomnipod.com forward slash juice box for a very long time. But starting today, drumroll, it's just omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you click the links, you're supporting the show. Thank you very much. And here is Jason. I'm Jason, and uh, I am type 1 diabetic. And I have a lot more to that story, I guess. <laughs> it's tough to introduce yourself. It, uh, it is. It feels like if I really say what I mean here, then I'll say everything I mean to say in the podcast. <laughs> That's right. I, we'll, we'll get to it, I guess, right? 100%. Um, so, all right. So, Jason, yours is a fun story, I think, in that you were in... Tell me if I'm... I'm going to tell a story, and then you'll either say that is what happened or... No, Scott, you're thinking of someone else, but either way, um, <laughs> I think you were in one of the group like Zooms that I've been doing. And then the first time I set them up, I set them up with like a little kind of email at the end that was supposed to just be like, hey, thanks for coming. But the email went out, the, the email that went out was thanks for being on the podcast email. Is that right? right? Yes, that is correct. Wow. My memory is steel trap still. I just turned 49. <laughs> still on top of it. Um, I think I'm getting to the age now where I shouldn't tell people how old I am because people in their 20s are going to be like, there has to be someone younger I can listen to about diabetes. <laughs> but um, yeah, but so yeah, it gets that way when you get old. So it feels like that, right? How old are you? Uh, I think I'm 41. Oh wow, young. I just found myself saying that to somebody yesterday, um, and I found I felt so stupid, but I thought. I thought, I guess it's my turn in life to say it, right? So I, <laughs> you know, I said, um, 
I was like, look, you know, I know you. this is weird and you've heard older people say this your whole life and thought they were full of it. I'm like, but you're really young still. And, you know, I probably am <laughs> too to somebody. So don't act old when you're 41. Um, so you get this email back that's like thanking you for being on the podcast. And you were generous enough to email back and go, uh, I, I, I was not on the podcast. <laughs> um, but that started us talking a little bit. Right. So how did you find the, the group meeting? Uh, so I'm on the, uh, Facebook group for the juice box and then the, um, the other closed group or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I happened to see it on there. So that's why I joined in because it was being made available just to the closed group people. Right. Right. I, um, I see a lot of, uh, gosh, this is, I feel like this is a dirty word. I don't really believe in, but I see content creators panicking trying to keep their audience and they're always like you know i'll make a private facebook group or you know i'll come talk to you won't that be exciting and i i think that's weird but okay and then they offer things to them um that you know everyone else doesn't get and i had been doing these zooms for everybody and then i thought well let me go to the people who are really focused on management stuff and see what you know if they'd like to get together um, and that's why I did it just for them, not because I'm trying to exclude anyone else. But uh, I find the conversation to be really kind of lightning, um, maybe somewhat more than enlightening, you know, just a, a nice thing to do to get it together with a bunch of people and, you know, hear them talk about stuff that a lot of people don't speak about in your day to day life. Uh, did you talk on the call? I did not. <laughs> I, you know, I- I always look back on it and think, oh, I wish I would have, but uh, it's it's a little intimidating, especially, you know, since I had really just it's first time being on that Zoom call. And uh, there were a lot of uh, people there definitely uh, that seemed more experienced with uh, dealing with, with you <laughs> and everything. Um, <laughs> so I was slightly afraid to speak, I guess. That's interesting, but I need you to dig deeper into dealing with me. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well you're you're definitely a, a chatty guy and uh it uh you're very knowledgeable about the subject and sometimes you know you're around people that are incredibly knowledgeable you just want to sit back and listen um but it's kind of a two-way street you know you gotta kick off that conversation with you to get you to talk about it well i have to say it sounded more polite the second way you said it so that's <laughs> <laughs> i just i thought oh is there something about me i don't know but you know it's funny in the in this scenario or even with the podcast you know some people are more chatty than others and I talk when people aren't talking and that's right. you know it, it's you're you're creating something for people to listen to and uh y- you know you got to fill the space so uh you know and, and people like you said have trouble speaking up now someone listening right now is like if you shut up Scott they'd say something but I can't take <laughs> that risk Jason <laughs> That's understandable. I mean, yeah, yeah. I need that's what you're good at. So that's why you make the big bucks, please. That's ridiculous. But it is. I do feel like <laughs> I might be good at it. Uh, nevertheless. So let's let's find out a little bit about uh, when you were diagnosed. I mean, you're 41 now. How old were you when this happened? Well, you want to dig a little bit deeper than that and go back uh, in my family history a bit? Well, Jason. Hundred percent, I do. If you do, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, yeah. Go okay. back. Tell me, tell me about yes. the uh, about the clan. Let's go back even further. So, my grandpa's brother was type one diabetic, 
And then uh, my grandpa was not, but then my dad, he was diagnosed at uh, three and a half years old with type one diabetes. Okay. That would have been like in 1956-ish. Okay. And uh, he, he married my mom, decided to spit out two kids. And my younger sister was diagnosed at 14 years old with type 1. And then almost two years later, I was diagnosed uh, at the age of 18. 18. Ooh. Yeah. Was there a specter after your sister was diagnosed? Like, I'm going to get this too? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, I was 18 years old. And didn't really think anything could happen to me. Mm-hmm. I look at my son sometimes and I think, like, I wonder if he thinks about it. And then I realize, I think just like you just said, I, I think it's his age. He doesn't imagine anything could ever happen to him, you know? So right. I don't, I don't think it creeps in. I'm just interested if people live with that kind of feeling of it's coming. Um, did you know your grandfather's brother? That would be a weird thing to know your grandfather's brother, wouldn't it? No, I didn't. I have no recollection of him at all. So, you know, now I'm just sitting here thinking, do I know my grandparents' siblings? And I definitely don't. Right. That must be that must be where the uh the family picnic line ends. <laughs> Who are we gonna invite? Just... <laughs> Grandma and grandpa can come, but definitely not grandpa's dad. Uh no, no. He, he can't possibly be alive still. But definitely his brother. We don't know him that well. He seemed a little creepy, but so it's it's the your father's Jesus, your father's grand, your father's father's brother, your father. Wow. And then your, how is your sister making out? Do you guys talk about diabetes together? Uh, not, not too much. I think, um, oh, you know, we still haven't jumped down the other part of the rabbit hole either. <laughs> no, no, that's uh, fine. Yeah, go, go. I, I'm just interested if you, if the two of you have some sort of deep connection, if you don't roll on, oh, go, no. go to something else. I, it, I don't think we've ever really talked about it too much until recently. And the reason it's been recent, more recently is because my wife and I have three children and two of those children are type one. Okay. All right. I will keep digging there. Then. Hold on a second. Two of your children. Jeez. You're like a little type one factory over there. You are it's just left and right. They're all around. What else are you guys good at making? Crochet? Anything well, like that? Under, underwater basket weaving. <laughs> Finally. Finally, that yes. art is coming into focus. That's right. So tell me about your first child that was diagnosed. Uh, our oldest boy, Wesley, he was diagnosed at two and a half years old. Um, we caught it pretty quick, you know, because uh, I'm hyper aware of the, uh, the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our middle child, Cooper, he... Uh, was diagnosed at 11 months old diving right in wasting no yeah. time what's the no um, time at all is there a difference between managing a two-year-old and an 11 month old you know i was thinking back on that and i hardly remember how in the world we took care of an 11 month old with type one but uh it was really just very small amounts of insulin to keep him alive mm-hmm. and uh it was just constant finger checks at that point in time. How much of your personal experience translates to the kids? My wife would tell you too much. Uh, <laughs> I tend to, you know, lead the charge in all this. And sometimes uh, 
my decisions in my life have uh, you know impacted their their care. But for the most part, I've always had pretty good control, and I try to you know translate that into them. But sometimes my methods for younger children uh, aren't quite as uh, effective. Okay, how? How are they not as effective? Oh. What do you do for yourself that doesn't work for them? Also, by the way, I want to let you off the hook on what your wife would say or not say because spouses in general, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? Whether it was a with a, a wife or a husband, we're all just looking around thinking like, oh, they do it so wrong all the time. We've just been around each other <laughs> way too long, you know, uh, know all the things that each other do wrong and hard to remember the things that we do right sometimes but but so yeah but seriously like what did you try on the kids that just didn't work uh, i think in general you know watching watching my dad not handle his diabetes well and watching my sister not handle their diabetes well i was fairly aggressive with it and i think when the boys were first diagnosed i may have tried a little too hard with that mm -hmm. uh or gone completely the other way instead of trying to find that that middle ground um and of course after starting to listen to you blabber on about type one it's I'm kind of falling back into the camp that we need to be a little more uh proactive and aggressive towards it and not just settle for uh you know anyone see a lower than 7.5 with the boys and well, in the beginning i was always always trying to get it down you know mm -hmm. To where I was hanging out at. Which was where? Uh, low sixes, high fives. Okay. And it's, I mean, 11 month old's eating schedule even is crazy. Get, you know, to have an 11 month old under, you know, around seven, I think is a major accomplishment, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a challenge too, you know, because you, you have no idea how much you're going to eat and, I believe at that point in his life, he was strictly on uh, breast milk. So it was like, <laughs> how many carbs are in that? <laughs> and how much is, how much are they even drinking? Right. You got to get right. a, like, you have to get a, they should make a clear breast for <laughs> women who are breastfeeding kids with type one. So you right. can see the, you know, how much milk's going through. I mean, right. someone's got to get on that. Honestly, that's right. How, how, um, what kind of management do you use? Like, is it just injections with an 11 month old with a two year old? What were you doing? Uh, at that time, when they were first diagnosed, it was strictly with a syringe and, you know, some humalog in there. Um, and that's because we could drop units that were, you know, less than a half. Um, and then of course we had the Lantus at night or in the morning or whatever at that point in time. Yeah. It was. I, I wondered how long ago was this? When were they two and 11 months? How long ago was this? Oh, geez. Uh, Wesley, our oldest boy, just turned nine. So if you can do your oh, amazing do math, what do you, math in your head here. 2012-ish? Yeah, that would have been about right. Oh, my gosh. Look how good that was. Uh, okay, so not that long ago. So technology existed. Um, so then that begs the question, what technology were you using at the time that they were diagnosed? When my boys were diagnosed, I was still MDI with a, with a pen. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think shortly after Wesley was diagnosed is when I decided, hey, I got to do something for him to make him think that, hey, pumps are cool. So uh, at that point in time, we jumped, both jumped on the Omnipod and Dexcom. And it uh, didn't change my A1C much. And it really didn't affect him too much because uh, 
he was afraid of it, I guess. And we kind of used it for, I think, maybe a year with him. And I continued on using it after that, of course. So when you say it didn't change your A1C much, did it change your lows? Did it, did it change how you got to your A1C? Uh, yeah, I experienced, you know, fewer lows. I was a little more controlled, say, over the night hours, you know, because you could adjust the rates overnight or whatnot. So maybe you're coming to, to your A1C uh, more honestly, I, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That that standard deviation or whatever was probably substantially lower after switching to the pump. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's... um how would people know, right? Like people who have super low A1Cs, but are achieving them because they're overnight, they're sleeping and their blood sugar is 55 all night and they don't realize it. Like how, yeah, you know, know, what's that like when you, when you think I don't need this stuff, look at my A1Cs 5.8. I'm great. You you know, (laughs) um, not realizing maybe how it's happening or I don't know, maybe realizing it and not wanting to rock the boat, just thinking this is okay. Do you think with, um, Without your, I guess the question is, without your child's diagnosis, do you ever get off MDI, do you think? Uh, I don't think I would have gotten off of MDI if it weren't for him. I think I would have definitely picked up the Dexcom. Okay. But I don't know if I ever would have went to a pump. So you do the pump initially just to make it feel comfortable for your kid, but you're still using it. So what did you learn about it that made it stop being for someone else and for you? Was you know you could have that better control that throughout the day and um, didn't have to carry around an insulin pen in my pocket that you know you reach in and you yank the pen out of your pocket and you pull the cap off and you still have the needle on the end jab yourself in the leg on the way out. That sounds uh, like a, yeah. a real story being told. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and you know it's. At that point in my life, I was also very self-conscious of it, or I wouldn't really tell anybody about it. And sometimes people would see like the top of the pen stick out of my pocket. And so when you get that giant sharpie in your pocket for, it? it's like, yeah, you know, it's just 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 in case. You should have um, said, "I'm Banksy." That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna go make some beautiful artwork on that wall over there. Oh, but yeah, I so. That's interesting to me, though. So as an adult, even an adult with children and a married person, you really just didn't want people to know you had diabetes. That's right. And I I don't really know why that was the case. I guess, you know, my dad kept it a big secret. uh, And my sister, she was a little bit more vocal about it, but she also really didn't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. It was always kind of hush hush. So you kind of kept, I kind of inferred from what you said earlier that your sister and your dad maybe weren't as diligent. So in that situation, you took what you saw at home and you changed it. But, right. but for the hiding part, that, that you held on to. Yeah, I most definitely did. Uh, if you didn't know me on a personal level, you had no clue that I was you know, type 1 diabetic just sitting next to you. So, so I don't know this, but I'm asking. When you live in a situation like that where most people just don't know you have diabetes, have you ever had something happen to you around strangers and they just think you're out of your mind and you get away from it and don't explain? Mm, I don't know if anything like that has ever happened. Um, I do remember one of my first jobs I had out of, out of college. I was you know sitting at my desk working and 
I was getting low, not really noticing it too much. And then my, my boss comes over to me and asked me to do something. It was, you know, it was a reasonable request. And I just told him, nope, not doing it. And, uh, <laughs> he, he, he gave me a funny look and, and he, he just walked away and I thought, oh crap, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that. I should probably go get something to a drink right now. So I don't, I don't know if he was aware at that point in time, but I, I'm going to blame the diabetes being low at that point in time for that incident. That didn't lead you to explain to him what happened? No, it didn't. <laughs> That's how much you wanted to keep it to yourself. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I listen. I I can respect wanting to keep it to yourself. Um, I don't have a like. I don't have a horse in that race. You know what I mean? If you want to keep it to yourself, I think that's fine. And if you want to tell everybody you, you bump into, I don't care. You, you know, I I just think that whatever makes you comfortable um, and happy. Now the question is, did it make you happy? Now that people know, is it better that you told somebody, or did you like it better private? Have you been on the fence about starting with an insulin pump? You'd like to, but you're just not sure? What if I told you that if you went to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, you could actually get a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. That means you can just take it home and use it for real with like insulin. You might be eligible for that. And the way to find out is by going to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. When you get there, you'll just answer a couple of quick questions and the process will be on its way. Won't cost you anything and there's no risk. Here's what you get with Omnipod. First of all, it is tubeless, meaning you are not connected to anything. You wear the Omnipod and the Omnipod is controlled with a wireless controller. If you're already a pumper, no more jamming stuff in your bra, in your pants, down your belt. None of that has to happen. No getting your tubing caught on doorknobs or dresser handles. And of course, you don't have to disconnect to swim, bathe, or to play rough sports. You can just keep the Omnipod on the entire time, constantly getting your basal insulin and having easy access to bolusing. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. Go check it out right now and see what you think. No obligation. You might be eligible. It'll take you two seconds to find out. A free trial for 30 days is worth looking into. Some other things worth looking into are Touched by Type 1. Now, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram and at touchedbytype1.org. It's absolutely my favorite diabetes organization. They would love it if you just took a look. Nothing to do. They just want you to see what they're about. Touchedbytype1.org. And the technology at the core of every decision that we make with insulin is the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. And you can find out more about it at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Number of great things about Dexcom. First of all, no more finger sticks, constant readings, getting to see your blood sugar's speed and direction, giving you insights to things like pre-bolusing your meals or how different foods affect your blood sugar. Dexcom also allows you to share your information with up to 10 followers. I have my phone right here. I open it up. I click on the Dexcom app. Arden's blood sugar is 92 and stable. I can see that right there on my phone. I did that in real time and you could as well. Do you know who else could do that? A school nurse, your sister, a friend, your brother, your husband, anybody who you want to give access to. 
Earlier today, I interviewed a woman who's had type 1 diabetes for 50 years, and she told me that the Dexcom is the single greatest tool she's ever seen in the history of managing insulin. That's uh, quite a statement from someone who's been living with type 1 for five decades. Check it out at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. There's links in the show notes of your podcast player. There are links at juiceboxpodcast.com where you can just type them into your browser. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Touched by type1.org. Let's get back to Jason. I believe I should have been speaking out more about it when I was younger. Um, I don't think people are aware very much of type 1 diabetes. And I think, you know, just drawing attention to it can help the cause in general and just have people, you know, have a little more sympathy towards you if you uh, need help. Some understanding, really. Right. Uh, Yeah. I wonder what the cause is. Just awareness, right? Just awareness. Yeah. I always just wonder what we expect from the awareness i i always used to dream about it just being that someone would be able to help arden if she needed it like if enough people knew about type 1 diabetes then she wouldn't be in danger in public which is of course kind of a grandiose idea um but i used to think that about the blog like i'll reach everybody and i'll tell everybody about diabetes and that way they'll know if arden needs help but i don't know you know like 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 I'm aware of a lot of things in the world that aren't right. I can't do anything about any of them and I don't even try. And I, I wonder what it's like to, I guess now I know what it's like to be on the other side of that, like wanting someone to have an understanding about something, but like, what do I want them to do with this understanding? You know, I just want them to know. And I wonder if it, I don't know, I guess it moves things forward and hope you can get donations for things like that. But I don't know how much it matters or doesn't. I can't, I can't quantify it. I agree with you. I just can't quantify what that means, you know? Yeah, I think, it, you know, I have a few other friends that have uh, genetic issues and, uh, you know, they post on Facebook, hey, con- contact your congressman or whatever. And I think in that sense, speaking out can help draw attention and, you know, have real change if you can uh, get more people to contact, you know, people that actually have power to make change. Yeah, no, I agree. Sometimes you just need numbers, right? You just need to right. need to show a have a little show of force and a little little show of uh, concern makes people makes people a little more active for certain. All right, so your one kid's nine now. Wesley's nine, right? Yeah, I did that without taking notes. You have no idea how proud I am of myself. <laughs> Does that make Cooper seven? He is six. Six. And I remembered Cooper's name. This is a really big moment for me, Jason. Just so you know. Good job. Good job. I swear to God, like, we should just stop right now. Be like, Scott heard names. And more than five minutes later, remembered them. Yeah. And and don't don't let me tell you our third child's name. Because you'll you'll write it down and you'll say it wrong. Oh, really? 
Tell us at the end. Tell me at the complete end because I you can't fill my head with any more information about okay. names. Seriously, okay. I I can remember dad, sister, dad's father's brother, <laughs> you and the kids. I mean, if you add some one more person there, I'll be lost. But I do want to. That's if right. If your youngest child's got a weird name, is that what you're saying? Well, it's it's Elin. I just oh, said sorry, that I to the end. Jason, Jesus, how are we going to get people to listen to the end? <laughs> well, you know, with the magic of editing, they'll just remove it. No, or, this is not. Keep it out. No, you lost this. Now you have to come up with something else <laughs> that they need to know about. All right, at the end of this episode, Jason's going to tell you how he and his wife conceived all three children. So just hold tight, That's, okay? It's a great story, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you're kind of in a really interesting space to me. You're a lifer. And a lifer before technology and someone who kind of got drugged to the technology late, you fill um, a, a, a spot in my heart. You, you make me feel like I'm talking to my friend Mike. So because um, he was just in the same situation, you know, diagnosed when it was just sort of like take a shot and, you know, then just make sure you eat. Uh, if you get dizzy, have some juice. Um, you know, you don't really have a meter, uh, that kind of life. And there's something about the the pathway out of that time in diabetes that doesn't somehow lead most of you to the next level. And so I really do believe you when you say that without your kid's diagnosis, you would have gone on forever like that. What's the disconnect there? Why without their diagnosis would you have not looked into anything else? Uh, I think it, it really is trying to make things easier for them. I, you know, I could run my diabetes mostly by how I felt and, you know, witnessing them kind of start the journey and they have, you know, they're hypo unaware. They can't tell you if they're high or low or how they feel. So I kind of looked for that technology to help me, which is, you know, it's all kind of weird too, because uh, I love technology, <laughs> you know, it's just something I, part of my life every day. And I don't know why I did not embrace that technology until uh, it was kind of forced upon me. All right, Jason, you're going to make me work harder here. Okay, I can see. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> I can do it. I need to understand why. We're going to dig it out of you. Probably end up causing right. you a divorce, and we'll find out that six bad things happened to you when you were a child that you've been <laughs> repressing. But, but no, but seriously, like, the, what? why don't people want to move forward you know why when facebook changes the way it looks do so many people have like a stroke online i can't believe they changed this i liked it the way it was like what is it about people and change but specifically around diabetes like why do you meet so many people who've had type 1 for 30 years and they're just doing it old school and they couldn't move forward i used to have these conversations with mike and he wouldn't he wouldn't bend you know, I was like, Mike, there's so much stuff here. Like, you don't know, like a lot of the problems you're having, you wouldn't have. And, and I couldn't get him to, um, be interested even. Is it just the fear of change? Like, is it, a is it just the longer process of like, you know, when you're MDI for, you hear people talking on the podcast all the time, they're doing injections for a few years and then they go to switch to a pump and the fear they have switching to a pump can often be just like the feeling they had when they were first diagnosed. But I mean, is it like the avoidance of that, the uncomfortableness? If you don't know, you don't know. But then we're gonna have to end the podcast because there's nothing to talk about. But I really <laughs> want to understand. It. I it's to me, it's really important, and and I'm trying because 
it's really important because there are so many people like you who still don't move up to that next kind of plateau. And the people now who believe that they're cutting edge, you all got to remember that at some point, you know, what you're doing right now is not going to be cutting edge anymore. And are you going to have the nerve to ascend as these things better? And so I'm trying to figure out why people can't do that. Well, I think your the Facebook reference is uh, pretty pretty accurate. Like people uh, people hate change, and for me, I think it it was change, and it's also a habit. You know, my habit was formed after you know thousands and thousands of injections with a a pen or a needle, um, and it, it takes a lot of effort to to break that habit. And it's not like a, I was afraid of a pump. I don't think I was ever afraid of a pump. It was just, I'm used to, this is how it is. And this is just how it's going to be. Um, and it was working for me just fine. You know, my A1C was good. And then, you know, every time I went to see my doctor, he'd just say, hey, yeah, you're doing good. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, continue doing what you're doing. Uh, doctors really didn't push it on me. Nobody else pushed it on me. Or nobody suggested it. Uh, there was no uh, Scott talking to me on a podcast to listen to back then to say, hey, there's this cool stuff out there you should try. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I appreciate that. The idea of it being a habit, um, it makes sense. Did you not even, were you not even aware of some of the things you could have been doing? Uh, I was aware. My sister was on a Medtronic pump at that point in time. Like they switched her to it because her control wasn't good. You know, she was all over the map. And, you know, I guess at that point in time, I kind of saw the pump as a solution for people that didn't have good control and not something to uh, enhance the control that I already had. That's how it felt for, yeah. You know, it's funny. I think it depends on who you are and the doctor. You know, like if, if you're your, if you happen to be in your sister's position, then somebody might say, well, try a pump. This might help. And I've also heard people say, you can't have a pump until you figure out how to do it on your own, which doesn't make sense to me very much. But um, the pump being mainly a delivery system is, you know, I don't understand why somebody can't have a pump if they're struggling with MDI. But right. I, I guess if you're struggling, the hope would be it would help you do better. And if you're doing, you know, good, it, you know, better than that, and so on and so forth, and down into fine tuning to... I mean, there's got to be a place where you can't just do any better. Um, hopefully, we'll all get to that, where the technology is just gets us all to a spot where you just couldn't possibly do any better. Um, right. Did your sister have bad experiences that tainted you by any chance or no? No, I think, well, I sat down and talked to my mom about this not too long ago. And, um, you know, like our stories are between my sister and I are completely different. Um, she just kind of followed more along the lines of my dad's footsteps and um, didn't really care too much about it. Didn't put much effort into it. Um, and then, you know, I saw that and thought, well, that's, that's not the way it's going to go. Um, good for you. That's a, it's a big leap to make, you know, it really is to, to break a tradition of a family tradition of any kind is not easy to do. So, right. Yeah. That's I, I am as happy for you about it as I think that it's, you know, probably one of those things you can't really, even put on your sister. You know what I mean? It's just, right. you just learn by seeing things. And now you're trying to make this experience for your kids, you know, even better than that. And is that working? 
uh, I, I don't know how aware, other than the fact that they know they have diabetes, that they are. Um, you know, like when we first tried the Omnipod on Wesley, I think he was three or three and a half or something like that. Uh, you know, he was just scared to death of the clicking mm-hmm. that, you know, it makes when it's priming. Um, and that kind of scared him away from it. And then, you know, him talking about being scared about it made his brother scared about it when we could actually talk to both of them about it. And, and not until recently here, until two weeks ago, we started talking to him about it again. And now Wesley's kind of saying, hey, it is, uh, I, maybe I do want to pump. So we're in the process of getting that ball rolling again to see if we can uh, get an Omnipod on him. Well, that's excellent. And he came to it on his own. Well, you know, I, I planted the seeds. <laughs> Did he but, see you planting them or were they just planted? Oh, they were just planted. <laughs> you know, I just dropped subtle hints here and there. And, and he's, you know, starting to come around to the, the light side of things. And well, he I, seems to be interested in it now. As you know, I'm a fan of um, that in parenting. <laughs> little, <laughs> That's right. A little bit of just, you know, stealthy mention here let it go for a while bring it back up again try not to be too uh obvious while you're doing it it's harder as they get older not to be obvious but uh right you got a good spot there for 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 that and you're saving yourself all kinds of money because uh no bribery was necessary that's right (laughs) well there's there's been some talk about that too so there has been talk of bribery yeah we'll say you know if you do good for a month you might might get the harry potter lego set so uh Nice. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, give it a try. See what happens. I I I couldn't agree more, honestly. I, I've used to say on the podcast all the time, and I haven't said it in a while, I don't think, but I find it odd to let children make medical decisions. Like right. I, I hear the argument, it's their body, don't make them do it if you don't want. And I'm not saying that. Like if someone's having some crazy adverse reaction to the idea of wearing an insulin pump, like I'm not saying force them to do it. I'm I don't even mean that in the tiniest bit. But if it's an ambivalence and you can massage the situation. I don't, I don't see why not. Um, and I, and I just, I don't know. Like I just, I've said it a million times. There was a pill that was keeping your kids alive and they didn't want to take it. Like, would you just go, well, it's his body. He doesn't want to take it. it. seems weird to me to, you know, so, and not that people right. can't do really well on MDI. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if there's a better way for you, it's weird to put a seven year old in charge of that decision. Yeah. I think, uh, with our, our decision to stop the Omnipod originally was it was it was really getting down to like a knockdown drag out fight to get a pod on him. And it you know it wasn't worth the struggle at that point in time. It was you know it was tears, crying, running, hiding. <laughs> running. How old was he at that point? Three and a half, I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm 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 somehow amused by the idea of a, a diapered child like <laughs> Just blow it yeah. in the house, yelling, ah! <laughs> they, they do, and they have superhuman strength, too, at that age. So <laughs> I know, for their size. Like an That's ant, right. almost. They could, you feel like That's they right. could, until you really put them to the test, until you ask them to roof the house or something, they really can't. That's right. They're basically <laughs> useless, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, again, smart decision. Just, you know, follow the, the comfortable path, and now you look your back, you know, so... I'm down with that idea for certain. How um, you said earlier that your your wife thought maybe in the beginning that some of your ideas were a little aggressive, but now that the kids have had it for a while, 
do you have a harmonious management style the two of you together uh do your do you wife do you guys your and wife have a harmonious relationship about the control (laughs) (laughs) jason how long have you been married uh, t- 10 years, almost 11. Oh man, you gotta go slower. Take some more deep breaths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, if, I mean, harmonious is probably a strange word to use, but I, I think that we both basically agree on what we're doing. Um, I like, I don't think that I'm bolusing and she's sitting off to the side going, Oh, I wish this wasn't happening this way. I think that she I, doesn't maybe understand some of the aspects that I do as well. But I think we're on the same page at the very least. Are you on the same page, or at least yeah, the I think same we're on chapter? The, yeah, we're in the same chapter. I think sometimes I uh, take steps without you know consulting her first. Um, you know, whether it be changes or adjustments, which you know I should do a better job of. Um, sometimes I you know step outside of that box and make some changes without telling her, and that kind of you know rubs her the wrong way, which is understandable. Um, you just and, spoke uh, that sentence. I, I'm. I'll tell you, if you haven't been married for a while, you you didn't hear it. But Jason just said, which I should do a better job of. That's that right there. Jason's been brainwashed. In case you're wondering, <laughs> he's been <laughs> he's been told that he doesn't do a good enough job so many times that he either believes it or can say it with conviction. One of the other. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> not that everyone can't do a better job. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying yeah. that there was there was a tone in your voice that was like, this is the part where I say I could do better. <laughs> 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 just in case my wife hears this, which now I'm assuming you're not going to let her hear. But I... Uh, <laughs> that's true. I keep telling her to listen, but I'm going to tell her not to listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. Well, does she not listen to the podcast? She does not. She she Her job doesn't really allow her to... Uh, listen to you in the, in the background, like, like I do, um, and our lives are pretty hectic otherwise. And I don't think she has a whole lot of time to, to sit down and listen to you for two hours a week or whatever it is. Does she have a full-time job? Yeah. Could she cut it back to part-time to help the podcast? Uh, oh, I'm no, no. She, she brings home the, the bacon here. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. We need her working then. I understand. Try. I understand you. I see what you're saying. Now. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh-huh. All, right, all right. All right. I see which way this is happening. I see why you were so good at saying I need to do a better job. That's right. <laughs> if you don't do a better job at that, you're going to have to do a better job at making money. <laughs> so, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I feel exactly the same way. Don't worry. Um, no, no. Uh, no, that's cool. Obviously, everybody doesn't. everybody's life doesn't fit in. But I mean, those of you who are not listening as much as I would like you to because of work, I would like really for you to consider to stop working so you could listen to the podcast more frequently. I mean, make, yeah, it's, it's reasonable. Don't Sounds you like think? A, a solid plan, solid plan. Make some adjustments to help the podcast out. If me, if you can, that's right. Honestly, what are you doing? I have, you know, I've got plans. I need you to listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all of those bills are so important. Like pick one. You don't need get rid of Hulu. Yeah, who who needs to who needs to pay for insulin or anything when we can nah, listen to the podcast? I don't want you to get rid of the big things. I mean, she might have to work nights. You know, right. just to find some time when other people are sleeping. Put together. Uh, that, there's no jobs like that anymore, is there? Where you put together like little things and ship them back to companies, and they pay you by the piece. That's a, a very eighties <laughs> thing to do, right? Um, <laughs> People are like, what? I'm like, yeah, there were like these companies who handmade things and they'd ship the pieces to your house. You'd put them together and ship them back to them and they pay you to like put stuff together. So 
I guess you got to grow up pretty broke to know that that exists, but um, <laughs> it does, you know, uh, that's great. Well, please tell your wife, then uh, I'm happy she's happy and I wish she would listen. And if she listens, of course, never to listen while you're listening. We need two different downloads on two different devices. So um, that's right. Let's be clear when we when we were making the decisions that need to be made. You know, I've been planting the seeds of her just listening to the pro tip series. But uh, we'll see where that goes here. So being being serious about it for a second, do you think that if she just listened to those episodes, for example, that there'd be a marked improvement? I think so. Um, this definitely helped me understand things you know, a little bit better. And I think it would uh, get us more on the same page if we have something to talk about other than just our kids and myself. Yeah. related to related to what you're talking about well i agree with that i'll tell you what if i can figure out how to get my wife to listen to this podcast i'll let you know and you can you can i wonder if that strikes people oddly does it seem strange to you that i don't think my wife's ever heard a minute of this i don't i'm not surprised by that at all it's like you know she probably hears you enough during the day you know what now you're starting to sound like my wife jason what's going on here (laughs) i know how it goes yeah (laughs) Jason's indoctrinated. Single guys are right now going like, oh my God, what? what's, <laughs> I don't want any of these <laughs> things to happen to me. <laughs> the other side of it is, uh, there's a lot of good stuff too. Um, but, but I think it's in any real relationship, it, you know, it's tough. You know, I mean, I do hear from people sometimes who are like, we have a very equal share of management and we're on the same page. We both listen. So, you know, we can kind of bounce things back and forth, but I think more people fall into the situation you described where just not everyone has the time, you know, right. It makes sense to me, but I, I, I have to say, you know, not focusing directly on your wife, but in a, in a bigger way here, I think that the 20 some hours it might take to listen to those pro tips is more than a, a reasonable investment for return on return. So, um, I mean, that's me. I, I obviously am partial to them and, and, uh, I think they do, a, I think those, those, the, they do a good job of helping, but, but I get it. I really do. So, okay. Um, well, what are your plans moving forward then? Are you thinking about automation? Uh, I am currently looping on Android APS. Oh, I don't know why. I don't think a person on APS has ever been on before. Hmm. Well, 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 how are you finding that? It uh, it's working well. I it's it's not as pretty and nice as looped on on uh, iOS, but it works. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> it's got its little quirks. What are the quirks? Oh, first of all, where are you at in the country? I have to figure out your your accent. Uh, I'm in. Well, where do you think I'm from? About my accent here. Hmm. I'm I, I it, Ohio-ish. Uh, a little bit further west. Uh, well, listen, I can't. Now you're going to prove you to everybody you, that I do, don't know what's west of do, Ohio. <laughs> uh, Is that Chicago? No, I'm in Iowa, Iowa, right in the middle of Iowa. Okay. What the hell's what? The hell, where's Chicago? <laughs> Chicago is you know like six hours uh, east of here. East. I went the wrong yeah. way. Well, you went the right way. Well, I thought you said west, and when I guessed west, I guessed Chicago. Yeah, keep going further. All right. Okay. All right. I, I Listen, let's not turn this into a, a geography. No. Although, although it probably would be good for all of us if I pulled up a map of the United States right now and described where all the states were, uh, because <laughs> apparently I don't know and probably nobody else does either. <laughs> um, 
so so yeah there's just a you're, there's a little bit of um your speech pattern is it's not slow it's it's paced right and you have a little bit of that non-accent accent which put me somewhere i felt like midway in the country um but okay. i didn't go quite far enough so there you go I'll, that's close enough close i wonder enough. how many people in ohio right now are like we don't sound anything like those people from <laughs> iowa how could you possibly make that mistake? Yeah. No, that's all. But listen, people in Ohio, you have Dave Chappelle, so calm down. You've got plenty. You don't need more. <laughs> okay, so um, you are using an automated... It's a DIY automated system. Um, it's called OpenAPS. Is that right? Uh, it's Android APS, but it's based on OpenAPS. Android APS is based on OpenAPS. Okay. There, so yeah. there, it's that's interesting because I had Dana Lewis on a long time ago. Is she involved in Android APS or is that not her? I have no clue. You have no clue. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You just grabbed it one day and you're like, this works. That's right. Wow. Cool. That's really cool. Now, are you thinking of uh, automation for your kids? Are you going to try Omnipod 5 when it comes out for them? Or what are you thinking? So our insurance, you know, of course, won't cover the dash system. So we can't jump on the horizon bandwagon when that comes out unless our insurance, you know, magically approves it. But uh, in the meantime, um, my goal is to get them on looped, similar to Arden. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's just going to, like, it's helped me out tremendously, like, Overnight, you know, like you said on some other podcasts that I listened to, like overnight is absolutely magical with uh, some sort of automated system handling it when you're sleeping. Yeah. Um, and that would really, I think, benefit our boys, definitely. I think so, too. I um, I have to say that as well as Loop works, and it really does, um, there's still something about I don't know if this is just me being silly, but there is still something about it not being not even vetted. It's really well vetted. It's just not FDA vetted. Um, and right. But I don't know. There's something about it just not coming out of the box and working. Like the idea that if something broke, I, there's no 800 number for me to call and say, hey, the thing doesn't work anymore. It's just that part right. of it. It, it is very um, wild, wild west of diabetes sort of feeling, you know, just like, you know, I look at Arden's uh riley link and i think you know i I mean what if that breaks you know what happens (laughs) you know so so excuse me so i went out and i got another one and now so now it's just sitting over there and i'm staring at it like just okay well i have it now something happens um that kind of stuff is strange you know like the case on the riley link breaks and we just glue it back together and it breaks again and we just pile more glue on top of it until finally one day it's just a rubber ball of hot glue gun <laughs> like sometimes i'm like i wonder if the signal can get through all that hot glue <laughs> hold, that, <laughs> hold that little case together but uh but i agree with you it's you know overnight any i mean algorithms overnight are really spectacular do you have the same issues around food that people on loop do just that it, you you'll see more spikes around food and better control away from it uh, often yeah you know i try to pre us with you know, the Android APS and sometimes, you know, I watch what the uh, algorithm's doing. I'm like thinking to myself, why are, why are you doing that? Yeah. And uh, I've tried to, uh, you know, work around getting those slight spikes after you eat, um, you know, by disabling the loop for an hour or whatever. And 
you know, letting me make the decisions instead of the algorithm at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Now I, I, I see it and it's not perfect. Obviously nothing is. Although here's a great example right now. Arden is at the very end of a pump site and it needs to be changed and it will be like when I get done here, I think um, I'm going to say to her, I think your pump should be changed. But the reason I bring it up is because that I can see that for over like the last eight hours, I think the site's been failing, but the loop keeps pushing more insulin in to take care of the drift up. That's trying to happen. If she wasn't on loop, I th- on on or any algorithm based like system. I think overnight last night and into the morning today, I think Arden's blood sugar would have ended up in the mid two hundreds. Right. But instead, every time it tries to get over one twenty, this thing's just like here's more, here's more, and it's happening so much because, like I said, I think the site's just bad. It's it's kind of all awe-inspiring when you look at it. Like, I wish you could just see what I'm looking at right now. She's been getting microboluses for hours and hours and hours. And it's, right. and it's doing the job. It's holding her down. Um, that's the kind of little stuff, you know, you're going to be amazed by when, you know, Horizon, which is called, by the way, not called Horizon anymore. It's Omnipod 5. Or, you know, even if you're using T-Slim or whatever you end up using, honestly. Yeah. One of these DIY ones. Uh, really spectacular. Like I, I try to imagine her as an adult, you know, at noon at lunch at, at her job and realizing her, her site's going bad and she's not going to be home till six o'clock. And this thing's going to be the difference between a hundred points in her blood sugar in a situation like that. Um, that is yeah. very, very, very cool. And so is your wife on board with that? Or is this one of these things you'll have to do in the dead of night when no one's looking cover of darkness? <laughs> I think uh, she, she's definitely worried about it. Um, she said, so, so who, who makes this people on the internet? (laughs) Yeah. It's just people on the internet. How how do you get help? There's a, there's a Facebook group. (laughs) (laughs) You should have called the Facebook group customer service. There we go. The people on the internet are a highly curated collection of engineering professionals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see i fixed it <laughs> there we go i, yeah. I could have used you like two weeks ago i've been married a lot longer than you jason that's right i know how to roll actually i have been married a lot longer than you did you get married late or did i, did. I get married early yeah probably a little bit of both yeah probably i know for sure i was too young so um just finding the right girl jason yeah i uh moved around a little bit and when i decided to move back to iowa i uh Deciding, you know, maybe it's time to settle down a bit here. That's, were, that's when I, What were you that's doing? Drifter? Cooking meth? Oh. What were you up to? <laughs> well, I was following another girl at that point in time. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where did she drag your ass to? <laughs> well, we, we started in Iowa, and she got uh, up to grad school in San Diego. So we went, moved there, and that only lasted a year when we were there. So I lived there just a little bit longer because how can you not pass up 70 degrees every day? Yeah, you were away from the mic for a second, but I I, I think I took your meeting. Uh it's hard to turn a, it's hard to turn down San Diego. San Diego sounds really nice. So yeah. were you like a grad school house husband? What'd you do? Cooked? Did the cleaning? <laughs> uh you know, at that point in time I was the breadwinner, you know, I was working, you know, supporting us. 
I hear oh, that saying. when I was there. There's yeah. a person out in the world somewhere living off your hard work who is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Did you and this has nothing to do with anything, but did you imagine the two of you were getting would get married? Uh, at that point in my life, I thought that was a high possibility, and I wouldn't have moved, you know, halfway across the country just to for a girl that smiled at you in a bar once. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I would have. I'm just <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I definitely wouldn't have. But uh but I, I could see it happening for certain. That's interesting. So then when that falls apart or dissolves mutually or whatever Angelina Jolie called it, what did the, what did that um no, was it who oh what famous person said they were consciously uncoupling? Oh, 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 mm. uh it's the Coldplay boy and the girl from the Marvel movies whose mom and dad are famous. Come on. Gwyneth Paltrow. There we go. Right? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it was like. You all just got an incredible look into how my brain finds answers in case you're wondering. The Coldplay boy and the woman from the Marvel movies whose parents were famous got me to yes. Gwyneth Paltrow, just in case uh, you're wondering what mental illness actually looks like. Uh, so, yeah. So were you uh, consciously uncoupled or did or did the lock on the door get changed or whatever? And then you just headed right back to Iowa? It was more along the lines of, you know, the, the lock on the door got changed, except she was gone. She went you know, on a trip with her classmates. And when she came back, that's uh, when well, the bomb was dropped. <laughs> Jason, being a boy sucks. Yeah. I know people uh-huh. say being a woman sucks, and it does in a lot of ways. I don't want to take it from you, but it sucks to be a boy, too. Sometimes. It does. It does. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so you just took a, lone, a lonely drive across country, just weeping into your steering wheel, and then... No, I, I stayed, that was like the, the first year that we were out there when that happened. And okay. I stayed out there another three years until I ran out of money. You made it three more years yeah. in San Diego? Yeah. yeah. It sounds, is it beautiful to live there? It is. I mean, it's 70 degrees almost every day. And fog burns off by noon. And you have the ocean, you know, a 15 minute drive away. You just have to be wealthy to stay there. Is that pretty much it? That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense. What kind of work do you do? I am a photographer, and I also uh, do some drafting on the computer. Nice. What kind of photography? I do weddings. Who's calling you while we're doing this? I have no idea. Do they understand? Text them back. Use angry letters. (laughs) Tell them I said so. There we go. I don't know if the ringing's gone out of my ear. So anyway, what kind of photography do I do? I do... I do some, used to do a lot of weddings, but weddings are a ton of work and uh, got tired of a ton of work on, you know, really hot days. Now I do like uh, high school seniors, um, families, things like that. And then uh, I don't know if you remember my post in the Juice Box uh, Facebook group page there of me holding the uh, JDRF bear. Mm -hmm. You'll have to use that as a cover art for this. uh, Please send, send me the original, please. Did you um, did you take that photo? I did take that photo. How do you take a photo of you holding something, Jason? Yeah. You have to set the camera up on a little timer thing? <laughs> well, I've got some tricks for that, but yeah, it was on a timer, and I was running back and forth between my chair and the camera, you know, a hundred times that night, and then had everything set up, and yeah, at least got one good photo out of it. Nice. Do you shoot digitally, I imagine, now? Does anyone shoot yeah. on film anymore? Well, you know, there's some uh, hipsters that still shoot on film, but 
you know, 99% of the world's, you know, doing digital for paid work. Do you ever see Jason Lee on Instagram? I have not. No, he's, I guess, pretty heavily into photography. And I'm wondering if he's not shooting on film based on some of his pictures. But uh, he used to be on My Name is Earl. So he got to put out a book of his photography. Um, and it, it's pretty interesting. Nevertheless, I, I think photography is something actually kind of oddly to bring this into a weird figure eight circle. Um, my friend Mike taught me about photography when we were kids. And we were, um, he was taking it in college and I was often the guy who would like do weird things like drive his car at him really fast so he could work with like shutters and things like that and then swerve away from him at the last second. Um, and one time he contacted me and said, Hey, I'm supposed to shoot sports, but Mike, you know, didn't know anything about sports at all. None of them. He just was not a, not, not a person into sports. And I said, well, the Philadelphia Eagles have training camp like an hour from here. We could like pay a couple of bucks, stand off to the side, and you could shoot professional football players. That would be pretty, you know, I mean, that's the the best thing I can imagine for the cheapest, you know, and it'll give you real access and you can move around and everything. Right. So I drove him there and he's taking pictures for 10 minutes and he comes back to me and he goes, we can leave whenever you want. And I said, you're done. And he goes, I can't do it. I was like, why Mike? And he goes, I don't understand what they're doing. And I'm like, what? So he didn't, he so didn't understand football. He didn't know where anybody was going to be. He didn't understand the action. He didn't understand the pace, like none of it. So he was just, you know, shooting on film and taking these pictures of nothing. You know, he's like, this is a waste of time. It's a waste of film. Like, I can't get this. Let's go. So I said, let me try. And I had never held a 35 millimeter camera in my life, uh, having grown up incredibly poor. Um, and so uh, he set it up for me and I just, you know, it was point and shoot after he set the camera up for me. And uh, a few weeks later, he comes to my house with this, you know, big manila envelope full of these eight by tens. And he goes, here's all the great pictures you took of the football guys, the football guys, you know, the football guys. And, and I was like, thank you. And I took them out and I was like, are these good? And he goes, well, my teacher thought they were great. And I said, oh, cool. I said, did you take credit for my pictures? And he goes, no, I didn't. I was like, all right, well, I said, you could have, you know, um, but it turned out like in that moment, I just, I started really enjoying taking photos of things. And one time I was saying this to Mike's mother of all people. Um, and I said, I don't understand how the camera works at all. I don't know what any of these settings do. I don't even care to understand. I just, I feel like I know where to point it and when to push the button. And she was flipping through my pictures. She goes, well, you're really good at this part. And I said, oh, thank you. Like, and so I used to take pictures all the time. And now that my kids are older, I have a pretty decent camera here that I don't see quite often enough. Um, but I have a lot of pictures around the house that remind me of that time and of Mike, actually, because his family was huge about putting photos up in their home. And I always used to love that about them. I'd go into their house and they just had, there were pictures everywhere. And um, I've tried to adopt that a little bit, I guess, in in uh, Mike's memory and, and uh, his family for showing that to me. But yeah, I don't understand how a camera works at all, uh, but I am, I am pretty good at pointing it at people. So I'm sure you're much better at the, uh, the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, the taking part, pictures part is pretty easy to me. It's the uh, running the business part of things. It's the uh, the challenge. 
it sucks, doesn't it? Like I know it that does. there are times when I have to send invoices out for the podcast and I'm just like, oh, my wife's like, isn't that the point <laughs> of making the podcast? I'm like, no, the point of making the podcast <laughs> is for the podcast. I was like, selling the ads is a is a necessity, but I hate this part. You know, right. I, I really don't feel good about that part. Do you ever just screw yourself out of money just sitting there waiting too long and stuff like that? Oh, most definitely. That's when I, you know, I get that talk from my wife. <laughs> Well, Jason, you need to do a better job of that. That's right. <laughs> I, I do need to do a better job of that. Thanks for reminding me. There's a strong possibility this episode is going to be called Jason needs to do a better job. <laughs> 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 My goodness. Well, is there anything that we did not cover that you were hoping to? Mm, I don't think there's anything else unless you have some uh, you know, great idea here. Oh, all of my ideas are great, Jason. That's the first thing. And secondly, I don't, I just, this was a nice conversation that I didn't have a lot of like preconceived expectation for, um, which are, are my favorite kinds, honestly. Um, I, I guess I do wonder though about your third child a little bit. So tell me, tell me your third child's name. That's a uh, Elin. Elin. You can spell it like E-L-I-N, so you might say Ellen. Boy or a girl? It's a girl. I thought so. See? All right. So little Elin is how old? She is two and a half. Okay. So she's in between the first diagnosis age and the second diagnosis age. Yeah, she's she's within that range. Do you stare at her like a mental patient most of the day, wondering if she's going to get diagnosed? <laughs> uh, we, we often wonder about that, you know, we pay attention to, uh, you know, how much she's drinking, how much she's going to the bathroom. Um, pop. Like it's always in the back of my head and it's always in the back of my wife's head also. So and we, we have, you. sorry, we have tested her finger m- multiple times. So <laughs> has it ever shown you anything concerning? Uh, it's only shown me that she has a fully functioning pancreas. Nice. That's excellent. I have to say now I can't joke about your wife not working because there are three diabetics in the house. I, I want her working full time, <laughs> nonstop, uh, making money for the what I'm assuming is just a, a cooler full of insulin in your refrigerator. So, <laughs> yeah, we have you know more than that little uh, butter drawer, whatever it is, on the side of your refrigerator full of <laughs> insulin. Yeah, you, the butter compartment's not big enough for you guys. You need the uh, right. you need the deli compartment. <laughs> And we have a whole, uh, you know, 36 inch wide upper cabinet that is full of pump supplies for me and Dexcom sensors. And I bet it's tough, man. That's a, it's a big expense. I feel for you. It really, I mean, not to make light of it. It's really, uh, it's a lot. Do you guys all use the same insulin or is there just, or are there different kinds? They have different kinds. Um, both the boys are on Nova log and Lantus and then I'm just on, uh, Humalog. Yeah. Well, if this Armageddon thing happens, you're going to have to get a shotgun because anybody who realizes there's three diabetics in your house is coming to you first for insulin. They're going <laughs> to skip right over. They'll be like, no, there'll be more at Jason's house than at the pharmacy. Let's go there. That's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we, we always bleed them dry when we uh, you know, pick up our prescriptions. Like, oh, do we have enough of that to give you right now? <laughs> the pharmacy looks a little nervous when you get there. <laughs> yeah. Tell the other people with diabetes to wait till tomorrow. Jason. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's really interesting, man. It really is. All right. Well, I, I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you for taking the time and 
um, for telling me so many things that I think are going to make, uh, eventually get you in trouble with your wife. So, uh, probably, yeah, yeah. I really don't think we should tell her about this and, you know, or, <laughs> or you can give her, an, give her another episode to listen to be like that. That's right. <laughs> she hears me enough. So yeah, no, I get that feeling too. When I'm talking to my wife that she's like, yeah, you're bullshit old long, time ago. <laughs> long time ago. You go tell those people on that podcast something. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making her sound bad. She's not a bad person. She's lovely, actually. <laughs> but it's not funny to say she's lovely, Jason. There's there's mm-hmm. no win in that for me, really. You know, you're, you're on the. You show. don't have anything to fear because she doesn't listen to the podcast. So right, right. Hey, listen. At the end of this, just in case, do you want to say anything really lovely to your wife that would be endearing? Just in case she makes it this far. <laughs> she makes it this far. She is young and beautiful and she is very knowledgeable about what should be done to take care of our boys and the girl that you went to san diego with she was a huge mistake and probably just not worth it at all right that's right right i would not be would not be where i'm at without her yeah well jason you need to do better that's all i can say i'm sorry no don't see that see how good that was is everyone listening (laughs) he said i'm sorry before he even knew what he was apologizing for jason you're good at this you're gonna be married forever (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if that sounds good or bad to you, so I'm going to let you go now. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, tune in next week when we'll uh, uh, say horrible things about marriage some more for reasons that are just for comedy uh, because it's fun. Anyway, hold on. Hold on one second, Jason. I want to thank you uh, when we're not recording. Hey, a huge thanks to Jason for coming on the show and sharing his story. Thanks also to Touched by Type 1, Omnipod, and Dexcom. Find out more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Look into the possibility of that free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash at Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. And of course, check out Touched by Type 1 at touchedbytype1.org. They're also on Facebook and Instagram.